and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly Blast. We all know the NBA season is a grind, a marathon, months and months of largely meaningless basketball, but that will not be the case for the Suns this year, and that's because this year the season is going to be a sprint, a mad dash to the finish line. Just do the math. Devin Booker won't be reevaluated for a month in admission that the team screwed up rushing him back to play in Denver on Christmas night. The new owner has to be formally approved by the NBA. Likely in late January. The trade deadline is February 9th. The All-Star break is a week later, which means the Suns team that will be tasked to win a championship will likely have 20-plus games to make it all happen. And when it does start happening, the changes are going to come fast. The new owner might come in with proverbial guns blazing. He might be wondering why he's paying Jay Crowder to do nothing and why the GM has left this year's team so vulnerable. Will they do something? Something small and nuanced. Will they tear up the nucleus of this year's team with bold, dramatic trades at the deadline? And where exactly will this team be in a month when Booker gets reevaluated, especially without the camaraderie that has defined this team for two years running? So buckle up, Suns fans. If you thought the past two seasons were crazy, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I just, I'm watching our guys get cracked, and there's no foul. Like on that particular play, I thought D.A. got fouled and tore And, you know, this as a coach, I'm fighting for my guys, and they understand that. And um, I tried to bring attention to it all night. That's not the reason why we lost. We lost because Washington beat us. Yeah, there's uh, okay. And again, it's I've I've brought this up a couple of times now because DeAndre Ayton proclaimed the team, uh, the Suns, a team of no excuses. And we've heard a couple of things coming out of last night's game. And again, I understand this basketball team right now. They're looking for some terra firma. They're looking for some consistency that's going to allow them to get through the stretch of basketball without Devin Booker. And it's not going to be easy. But uh, you and I began to talk about this earlier. Because DeAndre Ayton, um, as a former number one overall draft pick, he's been a he's been a polarizing figure in the Valley. He was a postseason star during the run to the NBA Finals. Um, he finally got his money, although the Suns had to match a contract offer, didn't exactly do it willingly. Uh, there were people like Tim Ring who has had sources tell him that the Suns didn't really want any part of DeAndre Ayton. They had to protect a, a business asset until they're able to trade him. So I, I don't know what's coming down the pike. I'm not sure anybody knows what is coming down the pike. But to me, if there was ever a time for DeAndre Ayton to kind of really harness what he can do for this basketball team, this would be the time to do it. <laughs> There's no question that it would be. The question is, it, the question is, is he capable mm-hmm. of doing that? Mm-hmm. And that's the question I have to believe is on many people's minds because we've talked, we talked about it earlier. And so, and, he, and here's the interesting thing about Vic is that, okay, let's, let's just say that Tim's reporting and what everybody believes was true and that, and that he could be a, tr- you know, someone that the, the sons will look to trade. Well, mm-hmm. they weren't able to make that happen. In the whole Kevin Durant craziness that went on for a couple of months. But what we see on a daily basis 
obviously, the rest of the NBA sees and knows. And so it doesn't mean you can't trade them, but what the question becomes, what is the true value of him in the yeah. trade market? Yeah. And well, it would probably have that. to be, a, it would have to be a team you would think that where his skill set, but his somewhat inconsistency mm-hmm. fits because of the other pieces that that team has. It doesn't seem though that it really fits that well with the way the Suns are made up. Now, if the Suns had other things, as we've talked about earlier, toughness, physicality, all those things mm-hmm. with other positions, then maybe what DA is is fine. But yeah, that's a good point. So it, when you take a look at what what the season has been like for DA, it wasn't that. I mean, it was very, very recently when more signs of frustration boiled over on the court. And we saw that during that timeout when Monty Williams was getting all over DA, who who failed to set a screen in an end game situation. And we saw Mikhail Bridges get into it with DA to the point where uh, I believe Bradley Beal, this is the first loss to the Wizards a, a week or so ago, uh, where Bradley Beal was on the free throw line and, and he was just kind of laughing at what he was watching and what he was seeing and clapping and cheering it on like, okay, this team is really broke and I'm here for it. Ever since then, Mikhail Bridges went out of his way to tell the media, look, that's uh, that's also on me. I should have never done that. I should have never shown him up. I was mad at myself as well. The coach was mad at me. They they went out of their way to, to make it clear after that game, uh, that first loss to the Wizards, that this wasn't just a DA thing, that this was more than that. And, and I, 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 they probably did that for a couple of different reasons. But again, we've seen DeAndre Ayton be able to harness his skills in small periods of time. The postseason of 2020, when the Suns went to the mm-hmm. 21, 2021, when the Suns went to the NBA Finals, he found a way to do that. He found a way to harness what he had until until he just ran into uh, Giannis for a few games in a row, and then it kind of all got away from him. It, when it, was it? Was it 2020? Well, was it's it, 2021. Well, 17 tw- months ago, man. That's all it was. Right, the 2020-2021 season. So there was the playoffs in 2021. July of 21 is July 17th of 2021, Jarrett, was when the Suns were 2-0 no, in that series. But that wasn't the... It was July of... Uh, who the hell knows? Never mind. Yeah, you're right. I'm, th- I'm confusing the bubble season. Yeah. No, no. That, this, well, that's because, because the next season started so soon. Yeah, it started the same. Like, it right. seems like it's far, further away. Yeah. But it's not. Because that, that basketball season ended in the middle of July. Right, right, right. It was two seasons. Yeah, it was. So so to, so to me, when you, when you look at what the Suns have and how they're going to navigate this next period of time, who, who's going to step up and, and provide this? To me, I think we've already seen that Mikhail Bridges is going to be up and down. He's not going to be a consistent performer. This is really the time to DA to do it, man. I mean, it's you, 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 this road trip continues Friday in Toronto. Then they play the Knicks on Monday. They play at Cleveland. They come home to play the Miami Heat and Cleveland. Then they go back on the road to play Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, and Memphis. Whew. Then they come home to play Brooklyn. So from between now and January 19th, there's a there's a lot of tough nights for this basketball team ahead of them, and it's it, what we saw last night was was a team that that reminded us they're not going to be playing defense at that level every night because something was in their way last night that prevented them to do it. Uh, we watched Washington shoot fifty seven percent from the floor last night. I mean, let's face it, without Devin Booker, they are not an elite team. No, they are a team that will probably be around 500 over the next month while he's out. 
you hope. But you can still play good defense. And But I think that is the, the whole, you know, with, with DA saying the thing about the excuse, and I, there's nothing that rubs me the, the wrong, not, not that it, I, I wish players and coaches wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've always felt that the, the reason that we are here, and I say we collectively as analysts, media, radio, writing, whatever it might be, is supposed to analyze what we see, mm-hmm. right? And so when something is happening with a team, whatever it might be, what is happening are explanations. But there's a certain crowd that when you give those explanations, well, I think this is why that happened. Well, we don't want to hear an excuse. <laughs> oh, we don't want to hear an excuse. Yeah. It's not uh-huh. an excuse. Uh-huh. It's an explanation. Uh-huh. It's a reason why things happen. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I have a little term, Dan, that I call, Jared, I call collective amnesia. Mm-hmm. Because we forget the things we said, say, going into a game or going into a season of what has to happen. And a lot of times they say, I mean, I had people saying, well, boy, the Cardinals would be lucky to, you know, to not, not lose this game to Tampa Bay by three touchdowns. I mean, you're playing your third string quarterback. Then you play your third string quarterback and you're right in the game the whole way. And it's becoming, and like I said, I think teams tease, tease you sometimes. And then when it's over, you say, oh man, this team is so horrible. I mean, they should have won this game and, the, and they're playing with a third string quarterback mm-hmm. and, and all these other things. So those are the realities of what happens with teams. Doesn't mean you can't win a game no, here and there. That's true. No, but, you're exactly right. But when you have the things that happen to certain teams, and Tennessee is a perfect example, as I digress. I mean, here's a team that was seven and three five weeks ago, and they've gone on a losing thing without their starting quarterback and missing six starters on on a very good defense. Mm-hmm. Six starters. That's a lot. And it's hard to play consistent football when you don't have that many players. And the Suns are dealing with that now, too. I mean, they're, they're playing without two starters out of five, mm-hmm. right? And one key guy off the bench. They've essentially been playing with, without two starters throughout the entire year in some combination. Yeah, right. And so when, when that is and, and, a, key, and a, key, a, a key guy off the bench in campaign, well, yeah, you're going to have a good game. And all of a sudden, every, oh, look at that. They're fine. They're fine. And then all of a sudden, there's a bad game. Oh, boy, what's wrong with the Suns? Yeah, how about that? So the consistency is what's very difficult difficult when you have a lot of those things happening around your team. But you and, can't and, just sit and wait also no, I'm for not, everybody I'm not to be healthy can. because it's probably not going to happen until I, too late. I, no, you're right. I'm not saying you can or do that. All I'm saying is when you have those things happening and to point it out is not an excuse. It's an explanation. But like I said, there's a no excuse crowd that says, oh, all teams have injuries. Well, well not all teams have, have missing six guys on defense or whatever it might be. There's increasing speculation that Sean Payton is indeed interested on some level in the Cardinals job. Should it come open? We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. Howard Balzer filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to the Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Mulata Mornings. Welcome back, Dan Bickley, Howard Balzer. Happy Thursday, everybody. Arizona Cardinals back in action on the road in Atlanta this weekend. Then they close up on the road in San Francisco. And then it's going to get interesting uh, as to what is going to happen with the coaching situation and the general manager situation moving forward. Uh, There are more and more people. Obviously, Sean Payton is the big name that's out there. Um, He's making it clear that he's available. He's talked about 
aligning himself with Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. Uh, there have been people who I trust who say that that he would be interested. Not necessarily the. It wouldn't be a slam dunk, but but this job, if it were to open up in Arizona, might appeal to him for a lot of different reasons. I'm curious your thoughts on that. You've been covering the NFL. You've got the eyes of experience. You understand what programs are working and what won't. You know what an impact coach looks like. What do you? What are your thoughts about all of that? Yeah, it's. I was told by someone very close to Sean Payton several weeks ago that he didn't have interest. Is that right? In the Cardinals. Now, I've reached out to that person. That was before the whole Steve Kimes situation came became public. So I said, well, has Sean changed his mind? And he said, I haven't really talked to him about it. So I'll get so and I haven't, you know, got that. But we also know that a lot of this stuff that gets thrown out there mm-hmm. I mean, heck, three days ago, oh boy, it's really trending like he might go back to the Saints and Tom Brady could be his quarterback. And then there was a report I think yesterday, well, according to my sources, there's no, that's not gonna happen with the Saints. And then there are those saying, Hey, look, Sean Sean Payton is the favorite in Vegas. To be the next Cardinals uh-huh. coach, as uh-huh. if as if betting odds have any basis in reality. No, no. Right? I mean the the reason those odds are set and change is because people betting on them. Yeah, and so people are oh I'll bet on Sean Payton. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a very important distinction that I like to make at all times when when these when these headlines become stories, and that is betting odds do not reflect what Vegas thinks is going to happen. Right. They reflect what they believe will make the most people lay down money on the exactly. Bet. Yeah, and that's then when someone is. looks at it and see some guy that's a whether well, it's an MVP thing I mean that's that's what legal betting has wrought mm-hmm. it's one thing with games and all that but here now, now you, you can bet on something that 50 people get together and vote on mm-hmm. right in terms of awards and things like that but then someone looks at it and they look and say oh look at this guy oh look, look at this guy he might be he's got great odds yeah I'll bet on that because I can win a lot of money if he happens well, to win yeah. and that's and then the, the odds move based on money coming in on it and that's how it's all set. But anyway, but back so, to... Yeah, so the question now becomes that if, if you were looking... Because to me, a guy like Sean Payton would, would be would be very fortuitous at this point in time because I think I think this football team has lost its way. I've said this repeatedly. Um, I, I, I think they really do need to dramatically change their hierarchy and their power structure and, and, and how it speaks to players. We talked to Mark Schlereth yesterday and he, he had some great comments about fear, that players have to have a healthy fear of their head coach on a two different levels. You have to have the fear of wow, I'm really blown away by how smart this person is at their job and you also have to have the fear that this head coach, if, I, if I'm if i not on it at all times, this head coach is going to take my playing time away. This head coach is going to hold me accountable and we know that ladder is not, the ladder is not a strength of Cliff Kingsbury. He even admitted as much during one of the episode of episodes of Hard Knocks. I'm a play, yeah, I, I think what we've seen though, Dan, and, I mean, Mark is an old, kind of an old school guy, mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with that. But we see a lot of these new age young coaches mm-hmm. who, who, who do approach it differently. And I think what ends up happening is when a team isn't successful with a coach like that, they say, well, we'll see, that's, that, that way doesn't work. But then there are coaches that are like that, that it does work. And so the thing with Sean Payton and I, I mean, obviously, the guy is an accomplished head coach. There's no doubt about it. But to come to this situation with so much 
to fix with mm-hmm. 30 unrestricted free agents and an offensive line that you look at and you say, oh my goodness, what is, who's going to be the center uh, of all, of all yeah, things? Yeah, about mean, that. I mean, I mean, heck, that was one of the big dramatic things about this whole offseason with Rodney Hudson, and he hasn't played since week four. And and this team is... That was a bad miscalculation by the Cardinals. Well, what, what, what they, they didn't mis- see the sort of writing on the wall with that. Well, what they yeah, they miscalculated in not having a plan for who would who would replace Rodney Hudson if, A, he didn't, decided not to play, or if he... Decided to play, but then... Yeah, yeah. and they had... And I'm not saying Billy Price is the greatest player in the world, but it would have been a lot better for this team if he had been in training camp, and then... And they had him in for a visit, and didn't want to give him guaranteed any guaranteed money in a one-year contract. And so so that 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 was a negative. But the bottom line is, this team is 11-5 and when Rodney Hudson has played in games the last two seasons, and and something, I don't know, it's something like 4-15 and or some crazy number. But bottom line is, there's a lot to fix on this team. And the other thing that I think is an unknown, does Sean Payton believe that you that he can win with with the Kyler Murray style quarterback? Great question. And nobody knows that. And it, this could be be pointing out there a lot of times these rumors are put out there to give a guy leverage in, oh, yeah. in different oh, situations. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton doesn't coach really? next year if it's not what he believes exactly is, what he wants. is just the right fit. Yeah. And, and I, for one, and this is nothing against Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, Robert Griffin III, right? Um, Justin Fields banged up this year. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson banged up this banged year. Banged up. Uh-huh. I I I've never believed that those style of quarterbacks who need to run as a big part of their game is sustainable over time. It's uh, it's it it would be very hard to argue otherwise. And and I agree with that. So Sean Payton has made it clear a couple of things. Number 1, he wants he wants no dysfunction in ownership. And so is that something that might hold him back from Arizona? The quarterback piece, I agree with you. He was on record uh coming out of the draft. He really liked Kyler Murray. I don't know if that's changed now, but but I do agree with you. The I I think one of the takeaways this year is that the dual threat quarterbacks it's it's probably not a good thing, and I I look at the Buffalo Bills and and I look at how little support and how much they ask of Josh Allen, and I wonder how many years they're taking off his career. I mean, you look at guys like Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger; those dudes got old fast. So if you're looking at Josh Allen and you're saying I want this guy over the course of the next ten years, well, you might want to develop your own running game and stop right. asking him to run the football. No, you're you're 100 percent right, and he and he's a big guy, mm-hmm. so he's able to withstand a little bit more. So and, was Cam and, Newton until he wasn't. Well, yeah, well, exactly, and 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 look at Kyler. I mean, I think people like there's the collective amnesia again. <laughs> second season, uh-huh. right? second season, he injured his shoulder against Seattle and wasn't the same player after that because he was protecting himself and the Cardinals didn't play well down the stretch and then he got hurt in the season finale against the Rams early in the game when they could have made the playoffs last year high ankle sprain comes back not the same player after that and there's other things going on around him also but not the same player this year you have the hamstring and the torn ACL he has had in four seasons six injuries with five of them to his legs. Oof. And that includes that he, he, he kept playing in this rookie year with a hamstring mm-hmm. and kept playing. Six injuries in four seasons, five to his legs. 
I mean, if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. And so, yeah, Sean Payton, my, he was coaching the Saints at the time, and, and he, he's looking at Kyler Murray and running around the field and doing what he did in college. Well, oh, boy, that's exciting. That guy, he, but that doesn't mean he wants to coach him and thinks he, and, and wants to, and wants to hiss uh, his wagon no. to him. Yeah, there is a difference. As a guy that's going to win. All yeah. people say, well, Drew Brees was a short quarterback too. I'm not talking about height. I'm talking yeah, they're about very Drew, different Drew, quarterbacks. Exactly. Exactly. Drew Brees was a pocket quarterback who can move a little bit when he had to, to throw the ball, but he wasn't looking to run. And then the question is that we'll get into, I'm sure, over the next days and weeks is, if not Sean Payton, then who? Then yeah. who? Because, yeah. yeah. Right. It's another Cliff Kingsbury. Now, I'm not saying a college coach that hasn't coached in the NFL, but another unproven head coach that you just don't. I mean, people are mentioning the guy with the Eagles, Shane Steichen, you know, the offensive coordinator there, Men- mentioning him, right, who's coaching Nick Sirianni's offense, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, yeah, he, he's with the team, the Eagles, now that doesn't have their starting quarterback, but has also had an offensive line where they've had one player miss one start on their offensive line the entire season. Oh. The Eagles have had three players, three players on offense and defense, miss games because of injury. That's it. Yeah, They haven't had a lot of people miss games. And let me tell you about something that you wouldn't want to miss, and that is (laughs) the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium where you can get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame free tailgate starting at 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, and special guests will make this tailgate party memorable. Admission is free. 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Well done, Jared. Thanks. All right, accountability is a big deal in the NFL. We're going to tell you what it means in relation to Hollywood Brown next. Howard Balls are filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Welcome back. Happy Thursday, everybody. Dan Bickley, Howard Balls are filling in for Vinny, who is on vacation. We've got Jared Carlin here. You just heard Zach Larson. Other than that, we are rolling hot, as usual. The Zach attack. The Zach attack. Um, a couple things uh, a very smart listener pointed out. There's a little bit of disconnect. If you listen to Cliff Kingsbury at the end of Hard Knocks raving about the attitude and the and the effort of the team, and yet you rewind to the beginning, and there's Vance Joseph talking about a lack of effort. We've heard (laughs) Michael Bidwill uh, address players who are cutting corners. So there's a disconnect there, quite obviously. And And it comes down to what I believe is one of the fundamental issues with the current head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and that is accountability. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what you noticed about Hollywood Brown coming in and getting out of Sunday's game against the Bucks. Yeah, he didn't start. It was assumed, and then he didn't didn't play that many snaps, didn't know until we got the actual numbers the next day, but he only played 50 of the 76 snaps that the Cardinals had on offense. And it was assumed by some, by many that, well, you know, he had the groin injury last week, he was limited in practice a couple days, and that that was probably why. Well, he was asked uh, in a one-on-one with a reporter after the game, was was the groin why you didn't start and didn't play that much? And Hollywood just confessed and said, well, no, that wasn't it. Um, I had my snaps cut because I was late for a meeting. Which was interesting that he wow. admitted that because 
and no one has asked Cliff about it since then. And I don't know if he knows that Hollywood admitted it or not. That would have been a good one to catch him in if he didn't know. And yeah, then, right. And then to see what he said. But what it does make you wonder is that this occurred in the same week that the story on ESPN uh, with Josh Weinfuss and how Cliff doesn't hold players accountable, supposedly, and then Kyler Murray missed a meeting in the week before the New England game. And so so it makes you wonder here, well, was Brown penalized because of that, that there had a, there had to be a message sent yeah by Michael because because this had become public mm-hmm. we the one thing we don't know though Bick we don't know this I mean I dare say that those two instances are probably not the only time that a player has been late for a meeting yeah this season I dare say you are probably accurate and on any team in the league oh, it yeah. happens oh, and of guys get fined a lot of times they don't have snaps miss snaps you have to believe that this one must have been. Not a five-minute late thing. Like, the, could, the, the, yeah, this might, must have been an hour later. Where's Hollywood? Yeah, Anybody we, seen him? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the accountability thing has been a storyline this season, starting with Kyler cursing out Cliff. Without a doubt. On the field, right. you know, in front of the cameras. Right. And nothing, you and, know, was, was really said or done about that. Right. And, and and there have been a lot of examples of that, but I think what Howard is saying is that it, that it, would this have even happened to Hollywood had that story right. not been published that revealed that Kyler Murray was also late, and Kyler Murray clearly wasn't punished. He he didn't lose any playing time because of that, as, as far as we know. That, and that, again, we don't know, no, you know how late no. it was or anything. I mean, the one thing that I wondered about was Hollywood late because he knew he was on the he was on the way to the facility and he couldn't speed <laughs> to get there. On, oh, to yeah. get there on time. <laughs> but you want to get that he, second? You can't no, take the online no. traffic course then if it's no. within three years. That's be, right. That's right. Be that as it may, I, I did think, though, in fairness, that the whole cursing out. You know, the way it was portrayed by many. I mean, it wasn't like he was telling, you know, Cliff, go F yourself. No. He, was, he was saying, calmly F. If he had just said, I mean, would he have right, been criticized if he had said, hey, calm down, calm down. And Cliff was going a little wild there on the sideline. If he had just said, calm down. Yeah, but are you supposed to speak that way to your coach? Well, not your head coach. Yeah, it's your ge- head it's coach. Gen- it's generally, I, I think I think Howard's half right on this because I, I, I don't, I, I think in the heat of the moment with the head coach losing it a little bit, Kyler Murray's like, come on, the, stop, be a, be a rock. So whatever. But I think in this situation here, it, it all kind of flows back to the same thing. If, if, if you've got an independent study clause that got dropped into Kyler Murray's contract, which was one of many dysfunctional things that happened this year, you say to yourself, how did that happen? Well, we learned subsequently that the owner watches film with Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph every week. So to me, if, if, Cliff Kingsbury is showing Michael Bidwell film every week and explaining, listen, the reason why we're not scoring any first quarter points and the reason why we are really slow to start the game, look at all these plays the quarterback is missing in. And this is where he's supposed to go with the ball. And and you, you know this works. You know, this is exactly what head coaches often do to kind of lighten the blame that's yeah. coming their way. They say, look, it's the, it's the execution. And so if you've got the owner's ear and you're showing them this stuff, the owner might walk away going, man, my quarterback's got to get smarter because he's the one that's to right. blame. So I'm going to put this independent study clause in his contract to guarantee he doesn't miss this when all of that could be circumvented by a head coach who holds the player accountable. Right. And you know what another big 
question is, is because what that independent study clause did, it pushed down another part of that contract that everyone forgot about. And that was that there's $9 million of incentives, over $9 million of incentives in the contract Mm -hmm. for him just to come to the off-season program. Mm -hmm. And a lot of players have bonuses for taking part in the off-season program and OTAs and all that stuff that is voluntary. But no one, no one has a clause that's worth over an average of $1.5 million a year. So they felt they had to put a financial incentive in there to get him to come to to get him here. And now we fast forward to this injury and Cliff Kingsbury is asked in the week after the injury, is Kyler going to do his rehab here under the auspices of the Cardinals medical staff? And Cliff's answer was, that's an interesting question. But wherever it is, I know he's going to work hard. What do you mean, wherever it is? This team should be absolutely mandating that he do his rehab here. But then we come to find out in the last week that he's having the surgery in Dallas Mm -hmm. by by a Cowboys Cowboys team doctor. Which, okay, you pick your surgeon, I'm I'm okay with that. But he still should be rehabbing here. Yes, And we don't even know... If that's well, going to be the and, case, and I, I again, and it's a, the one of the issues here. I, I don't understand the issues that this this team has has had with transparency with some of these issues. Cliff Kingsbury was asked flat out about the report that came out on Sunday night that the Kyler Murray surgery date was January third, and he was asked, if, "Do you know that? Can you confirm it?" He said, "I, I, I haven't don't heard know. that twice." Twice. And he was asked I, Monday about it again. How and, do you not know if you're the head coach? Right. What your quarterback is doing? Well, he knows. He knows he just he just has so, a thing about telling all of us right. the real story of what's going on, and we can chronicle many many instances mm-hmm. of of things where we ha- we haven't been given the you know the correct information. As if that's going to help you win. I know right? because, I know. because I, I you don't, don't understand you're not that. totally upfront about an injury or whatever whatever it might yeah, be. I've never so, understood that. I really never. haven't. And I, and I do agree with you. I thought it was a little like okay, surgery from the Dallas Cowboys team surgeon that would tell me that he. He is rehabbing on his own in Texas. And I don't know if that's really a, a good thing. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Now, some will say, well, you know what the way it is today and they can, uh, you know, you can monitor it. No, it's, you're not being monitored here in terms of his rehab. And it seems it seems clear to me when you're paying this guy the amount of money that he is being paid yeah. that this this is where. It's, it's, you know, it should be rehab so we can, you know, see it in action, not just, oh, go send our doctor there once every few weeks, every month. How about just, it? Just to see how he's doing. Yeah, Come that on. doesn't make any sense Come to on. me either. All right, coming up on the other side, we will be joined by Kellen Olson. He'll give us his viewpoint on the Phoenix Suns and where this whole thing is going. That's next. Howard Balls are filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Welcome back, everybody. Dan Bickley, Howard Balls are joined by the one, the only, KO, Kellen Olson. Covers the Suns for Arizona Sports, does a great job doing it. What's up, Kellen? How are you? Hey, hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> All right, let's jump right into it. A month without Devin Booker. until uh, That's only until he's reevaluated. Sketch out what this sounds and means 
to you and to this basketball team? I think it means that they're just going to have to really try and tread water here over the next month. And I know that uh, a lot of the fan base wants to see them make a move right now and, and sort of address a lot of the roster concerns that we've been talking about over the last six months and, and on. But I think that right now, I, I, you're most likely not going to see that. It's just going to be more about them treading water. I think the, the, the two most important things right now are the return of campaign and the return of Cam Johnson from injury. Uh, from what James Jones said yesterday, it sounds like campaign is closer than Cam Johnson. Both of them are traveling with the team right now. That is certainly a good sign. But campaign is one of the few guys on the team that provides constant rim pressure. He constantly pressures the defense off the dribble. And then Cam Johnson, for those eight games that we saw him in the starting lineup, they were obliterating teams. Now, Devin Booker might not be a part of that when Cam Johnson returns, but we saw the sort of offensive boost that he could provide the team. So I think those two guys and when they come back are the keys in this. If those, if both of those guys still miss another week and a half, two weeks here, that's when you start to really worry about the trouble the team is in because the timing of this could not be worse. They are in the middle of their roughest part of the schedule. 10 of their 12 on the road and a lot of those are against either playoff teams or teams that you would expect uh, to be in the playoff on. They're just really going to have to try and tread water right here and try and play 500 basketball. Yeah, that's. But, but there there is a hope that, as you said, campaign is closer to coming coming back than, than Johnson, but there is a hope that both will be back and Johnson will be back in this time that Booker will be out. You would hope, yeah. We do not get much clarity on in terms of injuries. I mean, the uh, Burns and Gambo show just straight up asked James Jones about both of the guys yesterday and then didn't get much of an answer. That was the closest that they got was the, the pain coming back closer than Johnson. Johnson's timeline would seem to indicate that somewhere within the next two to three weeks here is pretty reasonable, and I would assume that pain is somewhere in the same margins. Whenever you see guys out on the court before the game doing their individual work, that's a good sign that they're at least progressing in the, in the right step and we've seen both of them out there in the last couple of games. But yeah, campaign in general is someone that they, they really need back to. Wayne Washington Jr. was awesome two games ago, but mm-hmm. you guys saw last night when the train kind of fell off the tracks a bit, it was as soon as Chris Ball came off the floor. And, yeah. and that's the type of thing where Dwayne is a great uh, fit for what they need right now in terms of offensive firepower, don't get me wrong, but the steady ship of like a reliable point guard that campaign provides as well is just something that they're going to be missing when either Paul or or, or pain is out, and right now you can see it with pain out. The uh, the need for an on the ball, create your own shot kind of number two scoring option. I think it, it's it's been profound from the very start of the season. I'm curious your thoughts on how do they address this? It, it, there's a lot of moving pieces. You've got a new owner who has to be approved. You've got a trade deadline. You've got a an all star break, and then you've got a mad dash to the finish line. What might this look like? Yeah, I, I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com and just. The, the whole uh, notion of how the Suns have been so patient. Now are they going to be urgent all of a sudden that Devin Booker's out? And, and I kind of wrote about it in a, in a different way, sort of looking at how... Uh, I think that your view, my view of the team has changed a lot in the last couple of weeks. I wanted to give Chris Paul as much time as possible, and I still am. I wrote in the call on myself. Like, he, look, we might see the point guard come back at some point, but we saw that third quarter last night where he really controlled the game for seven minutes. It was like, that's the guy. That's the guy we haven't seen all yeah. year. We've been waiting for that guy to show up. Sure, physically it might not look exactly the same, but he scored or assisted 20 of their first 24 points, and that to me is a type of game flow and just like taking over 
over a game. They were down by 19 in the first half. All of a sudden, he does that, snaps his fingers. It's a one-point game when when he got it down to that Damian Lee three. So I think that that type of guy is what they need right now, but we haven't seen that consistently enough. And then this kind of comes back to something I wrote about in the offseason where I worried if the Suns were trying too hard to juggle two windows at once. And what I mean by that is the Chris Paul window right now and then the future three, five, seven years down the line they're looking at with Booker, Bridges, Aiden, and Johnson. And I just worry that they're trying too hard to keep both of those windows active sort of at the same time. And now I'm starting to wonder if the better choice is to just do what they've been doing, which is looking forward to those three, five, seven years just with the way that Chris has played this year. But they they know far better than us watching him internally and and, and having all their numbers, their analytics and everything just with how Paul's body is, is at and where his body truly is at right now. Um, I mean, he had a big wrap on his left leg after the day after that injury. He wasn't on the injury report, of course. Like We don't, we don't know the injury <laughs> status of him, but they know far better than we do. So looking at him uh, across the next kind of couple of weeks, I, I think it's really important because I do wonder, like, the type of... I, I was the person chatting from the rooftops, like, yes, trade two slightly protected, maybe one unprotected first-round picks for Kyle Kuzma. Like, you need that type of guy, and that was before he had a really, really good year this year. But now, that type of move where Kuzma could leave in, in four months, like, I, I don't know anymore. I don't, I don't know if it's the best idea. Interesting. How, how concerning with the inconsistency on defense because certainly at least if if you're not scoring greatly at least if you're keeping the game close anything can happen in the fourth quarter and how much you, you, can you wrap up you know two games on the road that's always tough I know we, Dan and I had a discussion about the, the no excuses crowd but sometimes hey there are reasons that things happen so how important is that that consistency to be a lot better on defense obviously than they were last night it's important and I'm glad you really brought it up because as much as I just kind of made that sound like my answer was about Chris, it's I think it's just as much to do with how they don't look like the same overall team that they did two years ago. Just like the edge and relentlessness that they had on a night-to-night basis, that's how they won 64 games, but that's how they were just, uh, the way that Monty has kind of phrased it, like the prey-predator thing. And I remember going into last year, uh, a lot of us were really high on this team, and I picked them to win 60-plus games, and a lot of smart people who've watched the sport a very long time were like, well, now they're the hunted. And, and it's just a different ball game when you're being hunted. And this team just handled it with like, they were like, okay, we don't care that every team is coming in trying to knock our head off, knowing who we are, knowing we're a contender, and they won 64 games. It, it seems like there's a year late reaction on it now where now they're starting to see the effects of teams really trying to gun for them every single night. It's been bizarre to watch, but that's to the point of the defense. Like you just can't, they, they turned it off for three minutes last night and then the game's over again. It's like you guys work so hard to come back. You get down a hole for, for 19 down yeah. because the defense is sagging. Then you guys start to pick it up a bit in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and then two minutes you just kind of turn the ball over a bit, and then the game's over. Like that's that's how fast you can lose games in the NBA when you do not have a good defense, and, and they just have a bad defense right now. They're I believe they're now bottom five in the league since the ten game mark in terms of defensive rating. Yeah, that's not the team that we knew. We knew this team is a better defensive team than an offensive team, but but it hasn't been close this year, and has a lot to do with their regression. I, I, I guess I would phrase those. That's a favorite word of Arizona sports fans is here. <laughs> Regression. <laughs> Regression. Oh, brother. Oh, oh, brother is right. And, and you astutely pointed out that even McHale is not at the level he was last year defensively when he was getting a lot of accolades and, and a lot of consideration for Defensive Player of the Year. How much of this is the camaraderie that isn't what it used to be? 
Yeah, I really, if I had one question that I could get answered in terms of all the unknowns surrounding this team, all the Game 7 stuff and all that, I would love to talk to Jay Crowder for 10 minutes and see why he wanted to leave. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that he was on to something when he decided to leave, but you just look at what specifically this team has been missing right now with what I mentioned. You can't say it is not just because Jay Crowder left. It is not the number one reason in the 47 reasons you would rank, but it's one of them that he's not here. He was the leader vocally of that defense. And and you watch Jay Crowder play defense like Suns fans did over the last few years. You watch where his hands are. You watch where he's pointing off the ball. Like The tiniest of details he always had down defensively. And that's exactly what this team is missing. It's just the word that they keep coming back to when we ask them about it is staying connected. And Jay's the guy on the weak side barking out at everyone, making sure they stay connected. If you, if you weren't connected last position, guess who's coming up to you before Monty or Chris do? It's Jay. Jay. And he's yeah. talking to anyone about it. He's telling Book that. He's telling Mikel that. He's telling DeAndre that. He doesn't care. And, and he's gone right now and I, I do feel like they miss his impact a little bit but it's just it's just it's just been weird to watch them defensively specifically because like you said Mikel has been down a little bit I think DeAndre has been down a little bit there I think Tory Craig has been down there a little bit it just seems like there's been like a steady decline for them defensively and I can't really put my finger on why exactly but I have a few theories as you can tell yeah, yeah no those are all good theories how much perhaps with Mikel especially is being counted on yeah. in his mind more for offense that that's affecting the game on the other side yeah, the crazy thing about Mikel is so many guys come into the league and they were the guy on their college teams. And you guys watch those Villanova teams just like me. Like, there is no guy on, on a Villanova team. <laughs> no, you're right. There, there just isn't. So he was a guy taking 9, 10, 11 shots in college just like just like he was before. And I think the way that – I think at one point he pretty much phrased it as like, this is the first time I've really done this on a basketball team before and kind of been the dude and, and been like the man for certain stretches of a game where he's handling the ball and initiating offense. So for him to do that midseason, it's going to be adjustment for him. I mean, he played the most minutes of anyone last year. We all know about the Ironman streak, the advanced analytics that the NBA.com tracking data has. Like, he covered more distance on the court than anyone else because you think about him chasing around Damian Lillard, John Murray, and all that. No one else in the league at his size does what he does in terms of covering ball handlers the way he did. Now he turns it around and shoots 15 shots a game. Yeah, he's going to shoot 35% for a dozen games. Like, that's to be expected to some effect. But also, at the same time, he's on a new, fresh contract extension. This is what they need out of him. They need him to be their second or third best player on offense nearly every night right now. And and he's just not capable of it right now. But I'm interested to see if he is in two to three months. We talked about this member three months ago. Oh, yeah. like, yes, play through DeAndre more, play through Mikel more. There are going to be growing pains. That's what it looks like sometimes. Yeah. All right. Lastly, the, the the predator prey thing really struck me when Monty said that because visually you see that you see some teams whether it's Boston or Memphis and the Suns are getting pushed around a lot and there's not a lot of visual respect that they're being given. How profound is that? That's I'm sure that's also tied to Jay Crowder. On yeah, some and and I think that every team kind of needs to have that pushback a little bit right now. And I don't think it's absent from them necessarily, but you can let your game do the talking a lot, and that's mostly what they. Did last year. Like last year, they weren't in many scuffles or kerfuffles or anything like that. They let their game do the talking. Like Devin's jawing at everyone in the first four rows, and then he's looking at the bench. Mikel's holding up the three in front of their bench. Like they have their ways of like getting their respect back, and it's just by beating you. But when you're 20 and 16, it's a lot harder and more difficult for them to do it right now. And, and I think a lot of it, Dan, kind of goes back to that kind of attitude that they built up for themselves last year. Everyone's talking about the Grizzlies right now, and rightfully so, because they jawed anyone. 
one. This is what happens when you jaw at anyone is is the Warriors look at yeah. you and they're like, oh, we're going to get you back. Oh, yeah. You think you're 23 years old and you can come in this league and, and talk, talk, talk like to that? me like that? Yeah. No. And it's not just the players. Like Steve Kerr, like that whole staff, like everything. And the Suns are kind of in that similar position right now where they see that they're wounded a bit and they're like, oh, we're going to get you guys back. You yeah. guys were talking to us I last year it. and everything. We're going to yeah. get you back. That Great. number, 16 losses real quick. Wasn't didn't wasn't 18. only eighteen last all last 18 year. Eighteen last yeah, year. That's yeah. pretty yeah. crazy. Quite different. KO, great stuff as always. Thank you, my man. Thanks, guys. All right, coming up nine o'clock hour. We'll begin it with social studies. Stick around. He's Howard Balzer filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.